If we haven't met before, my name is Ashley, and I'm the lead pastor here. And I want to welcome you to Hope. I'm so glad that you're here this Palm Sunday. We've had such an awesome morning so far. Congratulations for, for Bob taking his next step of baptism. Bob baptism. If you don't know Bob, his friend next to him um, on, on the screen, what would be the left side, is Joel. That's the person who led him to Jesus. I love where people of hope are just talking to their friends like, you're going through hard things? Let me tell you about something that can help you. It's so good. We, we're so excited to celebrate with you, Bob. Come on. Well, let's get our expectations up for what God's going to do this morning. Come on. We're in the second week of a series called Next Level You. And every next level of your life demands a next level you. And every season, we're tapping into new layers of who God created us to be. We're tapping into the potential that he put inside of us when he formed us before we took our first breath. And at each level of our life, God is preparing us for the next level so that when we get there, we are set up to thrive. We are set up to win. In the now, God is preparing you for the next and as you believe in who he says you are, you become more like Jesus. You become life at the next level. And last week we looked at 2 Corinthians 5.17. We're going to start there. It says, when someone becomes a Christian, he becomes a brand new person inside. He's not the same anymore. A new life has begun. I love that. New like these beautiful butterflies. Brand new. When we believe in Jesus, we get a fresh start. It's not us cleaned up. It's not us 2.0. It's us made new. And that's like the difference between driving around a new car and a used car. When your car's new, man, you treat that thing differently. You go the speed limit. You don't allow anybody to have food in your car. You keep maybe the floor mat cover, paper things on. My husband kept those in our car for like six months. I'm like, honey, we got to take these out of here. It's annoying. Um, when you have a used car, then you lower your standards. Sometimes your kids spill eggnog in it like my kids did, and we talked about that last week. When you have a new car, you also get new features. Um, a couple years ago, we were driving to our Elmira location. That was before COVID, and it was two in the morning. We go and we would set up, super fun, at the Clement Center. And then we would, yeah, and then we would drive back um, around like 7 a.m. to get ready for church here. And I was driving back one day with one of my friends, and she's like, how come you never use your cruise control? And I'm like, I don't know how. <laughs> when I was 33, I learned how to use cruise control. She pressed all these buttons, and it was like, wow, I've been missing out on this my whole life. Thank you so much for riding in my car with me. And I use it every day now. I love it. Sometimes we don't use things because we don't know how to use them. I mean, we all have things at home that are like, I don't know how to use that, so I'm just, it's just going to stay there. Other times, we don't even know what's available to us. Uh, that winter, I was heading out to my car to start it late one evening, and my brother-in-law's like, what are you doing? And I said, I'm starting my car, it's winter. And he's like, you have remote start. <laughs> no, I don't. <laughs> Do I? He's like, here, let me see your keys. And he just made this little beep, beep, boop, and then my car started. It was amazing. I had remote start this whole time, and I had been walking out in the cold to my car every day with my little babies, and I could have just been starting it from in the house. 
Whenever you get something new, it helps to have someone to show you all the features. And that's what I want to do for you today. It's possible to be new, but to not even realize what's available to you in Jesus. Or to know what's available to you, but maybe you don't know what to do with it. Maybe you miss out on living your best life now. Following Jesus isn't about just being forgiven and going to heaven one day. It's about living now. It's about experiencing a more and better life now. Come on. If you don't know Jesus yet, he wants to heal your hurts. He wants to level up your life. He wants to replace the junk and the guilt and the shame with freedom, life, and purpose. Come on. In John 10.10, 10, he said, I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. You may have life eternally in heaven and have life abundantly on earth right now. He wants the next part of your life to be better than the last part. Whatever you're going through, whatever you've made it through, this is a new season in front of you. It's a more abundant season, a next level life. And we get to share that with people around us. The rest of 2 Corinthians 5 says, All these new things are from God who brought us back to himself through what Christ Jesus did. And God's given us the privilege of urging everyone to come into his favor and be reconciled to him. So we get all these new things from God. We're made brand new. And then we get the privilege of telling other people that they can have all this newness from God too. We get to tell people about his favor that we don't deserve, that we didn't earn. He just gives it to us. We're going to be talking about how we are highly favored in a few weeks later in this series. But God gives us what we didn't earn because he loves us. And we get to tell people about it. And we get to tell them about being reconciled to God. To be reconciled means to be restored to the divine, restored to the love of God that's waiting for them, restored to the life that they were born for, restored to who God made them to be. The next verse said, For God was in Christ, restoring the world to himself, no longer counting men's sins against them, but blotting them out. I love that. He blots them out. This is the wonderful message he has given us to tell others. We are Christ's ambassadors. Everybody say, I'm an ambassador. Today's message is called Ambassador. We are ambassadors. Ambassadors have a really cool job. They get to go on the adventure of a lifetime. I was telling Pastor Dave this week, we're talking about ambassadors, and he just lit up. He's like, that is so cool. I love going to different countries. If you think about diplomatic ambassadors, they have exciting, fun, honorable opportunities. They are the highest-ranking diplomat from one country, and they go and re represent their country in another country. Like all of the amazing things about their country, they get to take it somewhere else and say, isn't this amazing? They have the rights of their home country and they build relationships in their new country. They're relevant to their new country and they stand out because they're different. They stand out because they have a different culture and that's a good thing. When you believe in Jesus, you become Christ's ambassador. Your faith isn't just for you to enter heaven, it's to bring the culture of heaven to earth right now and live a next level life. Come on. Point one today, you are Christ's ambassador. You are Christ's ambassador. Earth is not your home. Heaven is, but that doesn't make you weird. 
That's not like, oh, I'm just waiting to die one day and go to heaven. No, you have real life now and eternal life in heaven. And that gives you more of a purpose here and now. Philippians 3.20 says, our citizenship is in heaven. Heaven's a real place. And when you trust in Jesus, you have automatic citizenship there. I have a friend who was applying to become a citizen of Australia, and there's like tons of hoops you have to jump through. And it took him years. It's not that way with Jesus. When you believe in him, you become a citizen of heaven. And you get the support, the authority, and all the rights of the kingdom of heaven. And you have the privilege of bringing heaven to earth. On Friday night, my husband and I were watching the second round of the Masters. We were watching Tiger Woods qualify. Mostly my husband was watching it, and I was asking questions because I still don't understand everything happening, even though we've been watching it for years. And I was thinking about this story. Um, I heard about a golfer who was invited to golf by the king of Saudi Arabia. And the king of Saudi Arabia, he's got a lot of money. They got a lot of oil money. And they had a great week golfing. And at the end of the week, the professional golfer was headed home, and the king said, hey, I would love to give you a gift. And the professional golfer is like, it's fine, I don't need a gift. This was great, thank you so much. And the king insisted. So he's like, okay, I collect golf clubs. And the king's like, great, all right, awesome. I'll get you something. And the golfer went home, and he's checking the mail every day. He's like, all right, maybe I'm going to get like a golf club that's like covered in diamonds. I can put it in my collection. And he checked the mail one day, and he got a certified letter. And he's like, that is weird. So he opens the letter, and it's a deed to a 500-acre golf course of his very own. He was expecting a club, and the king gave him a whole golf course. When the king and the golfer thought about the gift, the golfer could not grasp the gift that the king had in mind. Their minds were on totally different levels. And it's the same when it comes to our thinking about what it means to be a citizen of earth or a citizen of heaven. We are citizens of heaven, and it's time to switch gears and stop seeing things from our earthly perspective and see it from a heavenly one. Come on. I'm excited. You guys are excited today, too. I love this. 1 John 4, 17, it says, As Jesus is, so are we in this world. As Jesus is, so are we in this world. So we are citizens of heaven, and as Jesus is in heaven, so are we on earth. It does not say as Jesus was on earth back in the day when he walked among us. It says as Jesus is presently right now in heaven, so are we right now on the earth. The way Jesus is in heaven, that's how God sees you when you trust in him. He does not judge you based on what you've done. He loves you because of who you are in Jesus. God put all of our shortcomings on Jesus, and we got all of Jesus' favor on us. And this is so big. This is so amazing. We don't relate to God based on what we do. We relate to him as Jesus is. Hebrews 12.2 says, Now Jesus is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. So as he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne, so are we. So Jesus came to earth. He did all the work that God had for him here. He died on the cross. We're going to be remembering that this Friday night at 6 p.m. for our Good Friday experience. You want to come to that? He died and he rose on Easter Sunday. 
And now Jesus is currently seated in heaven beside God's throne. He did the work, and he's sitting down. When I think about Jesus sitting down, I think about my dad coming home from work after a long day, and just when he's accomplished everything that he wanted to do at work, he would just flop in his favorite chair, and that was like a place where he would go every day. Except for my dad, he really liked to relax, so he would take off all of his clothes and just sit around in his underwear in his comfy chair. <laughs> Which was really fun for him, and maybe some of you do that too. There's no judgment there. When I started dating my husband, though, it got a little weird because, you know, I thought everybody's dad was sitting around in their underwear. <laughs> and my husband was like, I, I wish your dad would put some clothes on. He was a big, big and tall guy, and his belly would just be hanging out, relaxing in his chair. After you've had a great day and you've accomplished things, you sit down in victory. You're satisfied. And Jesus is sitting before God. Come on. He sent the Holy Spirit to live in us on earth. And at the same time, Ephesians 2, 6 says, God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. Who's seated with Jesus? We are. When we trusted in Jesus, God raised us up from our life that was dead, our life that was disconnected from God, to a next level life in relationship with him. He raised us up from our old life to our new life in Jesus. He raised us up from citizens of earth to citizens in heaven, and he changed our identity. He made us new. But like I was saying earlier with cruise control and remote start, it's possible to be new and not fully live in your new identity. So we want to be the people who know about our identity and we live it out. We embrace it. God seated us with Jesus. I love that. God had a seat ready for us. I love when you walk in somewhere and people are like, hi, hi, come sit with me. I have a seat for you. That's what Jesus does for us. And when you have a relationship with him, you're already seated with him. Past tense. He seated us with Jesus. We're already seated. Come on, that's good news. <laughs> Jesus is seated. He's not pacing around stressed. He's resting because he finished the work that he came to do, to take all of our shortcomings so that we could take all of his righteousness. He's like, feeling blessed, never stressed, come on. And so are we. We don't have to be stressed. But if you don't know it, if nobody's ever told you or you haven't seen that truth yet, you haven't experienced it, you might still be running around trying to earn approval instead of resting out of who God says you are. You can choose to sit down in your soul. You can let your mind Sit next to Jesus. You can take your thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus instead of letting them running wild. You can let your heart rest with Jesus. You can let your emotions sit. You can receive what Jesus accomplished on your behalf. When you know who you are, you live up to your identity, and you can rest in what Jesus has already done. Stay seated with him and live out of that place of rest. Stop trying to earn what Jesus has already earned. Instead, because you are seated, you serve out of rest. That's one of our core values. We serve not to earn God's approval, 
but instead we serve because he's approved us. Come on. We rely on Jesus for success. We're dependent on him. Instead of focused on ourselves and our shortcomings and our failures, we're focused on Jesus. We magnify Jesus. We look at who he is and we see ourselves because of who he is. We're seated with Jesus. And where is Jesus seated? Ephesians 1.20 says, God raised Jesus from the dead and seated him at his right hand. Oh, that's nice. He's seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that is which to come. Jesus is seated far above everything. And as he is, so are you. Come on. We're not an, under any circumstance. We're not under any bad news. We're not under inflation. We're not under depression. We are far above every addiction, far above everything. And because of Jesus, we are above only and never beneath. Come on. We are far above with Jesus. And we can see our lives from his perspective, from that kingly perspective, or we can see it from our earthly perspective. It's like when you're driving out on I-86 and you get stuck in traffic and you're like, ah, I can't get around this gridlock, you know, getting stressed. Or you're flying far above I-86 in an airplane, and you're like, oh, look at all that. That's crazy. And it does not even face you. You are just far above it. When you get a higher perspective, you don't give it a second thought. You're literally over what's bothering you. That thing that you've been worrying about at work, when you see it from heaven's perspective, far above, it matters but it's also temporary. And instead of worrying, you can choose to pray about it. That fight that you had with your loved one, you probably don't even remember what it was about, honestly. And maybe you're still mad at each other. But see it from a far above perspective. Be the first one to apologize. Be the first to forgive. See it the way that God sees it. Go to the person who offended you so you can worship freely. Go to them. Your sickness Jesus is whole in heaven, and as he is, so are we. And so, by his stripes, you are healed. And you want to keep believing for your healing. Declare that disease is leaving your life. Release wholeness over who you are. Come on, release healing. Speak God's promises over yourself. As Jesus is in heaven, seated far above, so are we. Jesus is seated next to the throne of grace. He's at the right hand of the Father. And we have access to God's mercy, and we can come boldly for help when we need it. If Hebrews 4.16, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I love that. We're seated by the throne of grace. When you need help, when you mess up, you don't have to hide. You can go boldly into God's presence because of Jesus, and you can say, I messed up, and exchange your shame. For his mercy. He wants us to come to him, just like we want our kids to come to us when they mess up. Not because we're mad at them, but because we want to help them. God wants us to come to him. He knows we're not perfect, and he chooses us anyway. 1 Peter 2.9 says, you are the ones chosen by God, chosen for the high calling of priestly work, chosen to be a holy people, God's instruments to do his work 
and to speak for him, to tell others of the night and day difference he made for you from nothing to something, from rejected to accepted. Point two today is that God chose you. God chose you. Come on. If you think about diplomatic ambassadors, they're not chosen because they earn a position or that they're qualified. They're chosen because of their relationship to the president. That's who they are. They're chosen out of relationship. Before the foundations of the world, God chose you. He handpicked each person in this room to be an ambassador on his behalf to the world. He believes in you. You're chosen by God for the high calling of priestly work. And that doesn't mean everybody's a pastor and everybody, you know, works at a church. You don't have to work at a church to fulfill your high calling of priestly work. Before Jesus, only priests could come into God's presence. But because of Jesus, we have direct access to God. All of us, we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Come on. Come on. This access isn't just for us. It's for other people. We are chosen to be a holy people. To be holy is to be set apart, to be more like Jesus and less like us and less like everyone else, simply because our life is submitted to Jesus. And as we trust in him, we become more like him, not because we're trying to be holy, like, oh, I got to do this, got to do that, got to be holy today. No, because we're with Jesus and he lives through us. And when you're holy, you live a life that inspires people. It's set apart. Your fruit speaks for itself. Let your peace set you apart. Where people are anxious, you be the person who instills peace. You be the peacemaker. Let your joy stand out. I know students in our school, they walk around with such a big smile. Everybody who encounters them is more joyful because of it. Let yourself stand out. You're holy. Set apart. Let your love set you apart. Be known for caring about other people well. Let your patience set you apart. Let people take notice of your patience. I was so inspired this week by someone that I know who had such patience for their spouse with dementia. Let your patience set you apart. Let your faithfulness speak volumes. Your faithfulness to God through every season. Let your kindness and your goodness and your gentleness and your self-control stand out. Let it make you holy. Come on. You have what people need. Holiness doesn't remove us from the world. It makes us more effective. It makes it so easy to tell people about Jesus because they're like, what is up with you? You inspire me. The people around you need the Jesus who is within you. We don't blend in. There's a problem if you're an ambassador from France and you're here and you look just like us. You look American, you speak American. The very purpose and nature of an ambassador is to represent another culture. So we don't want to look like everyone else. We want to you know, stand out in a good way. Romans 12 says, here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life. So simple. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Say, God, here you go. Let me take my life. Embracing what God does for you is the best thing you can do for him. Everything we give to him as an offering, he blesses. He blesses 
and multiplies it. I don't know about you, but I want my life to be blessed. God, you can take my sleeping life. You can take my eating life, my going to work everyday life. The best thing we can do for him is embrace what he's already done. We believe, and then he helps us become. It says, don't become so well-adjusted to your culture that you fit into it without even thinking. Instead, fix your attention on God. You'll be changed from the inside out. Readily recognize what he wants from you and quickly respond to it. Unlike the culture around you, always dragging you down to its level, God brings the best out of you, develops well-formed maturity in you. God takes you to your next level. Don't blend in. Let him change you from the inside out and stand out. All the fruit that comes from having your identity in Jesus and fixing your attention on God, let that come out of you. Let him bring the best out of you. Don't hide that. Don't be dragged down. Bring heaven to earth. Bring everyone else up. You are God's chosen instrument to do his work and to speak for him. Chosen to speak to him, for him, to your coworkers, to your family, your friends, your teammates, the people that you meet, and simply tell them how he's changed your life. Maybe you're thinking, I don't know if God should have chosen me. He chose you. He chose you because he loves you. He chose you to lead that hope group. He chose you to be on an impact team. He chose you to invite your boss to church. He chose you to help out that mom in line in Wegmans. He chose you to help your neighbor. He chose you to change those kids' lives. He chose you to help someone not give up today. He chose you. Come on. When you see a need, remember that you are God's chosen instrument. Don't look around like, ah, uh, God needs to send someone. He chose you. If you're looking for him to send somebody, that somebody is you. You're chosen to do priestly work, to be holy, and to speak for God. Point three today is that you represent God. You represent God. Ambassadors, they don't represent their own interests. They're on a mission that represents their home. We don't represent ourselves. We represent heaven, and we bring the culture of heaven to earth, and that's so fun. Our will is to see God's will done on earth as it's always done in heaven. When I'm up here telling you about Jesus, or I'm in the grocery store telling somebody she's got great hair and she should come to Hope Church, when I'm talking to my kids, I don't represent me. I represent God. Ambassadors build relationships on purpose. For their mission. We're on a mission from Jesus to go and make disciples of all nations. 2 Corinthians 5.20 says, we are Christ's ambassadors. Here's the rest of the verse. God is using us to speak to you. We beg you as though Christ himself were here pleading with you. Receive the love that he offers you. Be reconciled to God. For God took the sinless Christ and poured into him our sins. And in exchange, he poured God's goodness into us. God uses us to speak to people. And we speak in our native language. It would be weird if you were the ambassador to, French and you, to France and you didn't speak French, you know? We speak our native language. We speak faith. We speak to mountains and we tell them to move. We're created in the image of God. He spoke everything into existence. We speak words of life that help people. We speak out of authority. 
Jesus gave us his authority, and we speak out of that place. 2 Corinthians 10, 8. I may seem to be boasting too much about the authority given to us by the Lord, but our authority, it builds you up. It doesn't tear you down. So I will not be ashamed of using my authority. Use your authority to build people up. Don't worry, should I say something? Yes, you have authority. God has chosen you to encourage the people around you. People are waiting on God to speak, and he chose you. He sent you. Speak your story. We speak the language of our story. We say, God has done amazing things in my life. Let me tell you about him. Acts 4.20, we cannot help but speak the things which we have seen and heard. We can't help it. Let your mouth overflow with what's already happening in your heart. Just say what you're feeling. And say it in a way that helps people. 1 Corinthians 14.9 If you speak in a way no one can understand, what's the point of opening your mouth? I love the Bible. It's so fun, so direct. Speak to people in a way that helps them. Be relevant to the people around you. Jesus met you exactly where you were at. He wants to meet them exactly where they're at. He's accessible, and we speak to people in that same way. Ambassadors learn the language of their country. They learn the customs of their country. They're in the culture of the country that they're visiting. There's lots of customs around the world that are really different from right here. If you do a thumbs up in the Middle East, that's like a middle finger. If you're an ambassador, you want to learn those things. In the Netherlands, if you're asking someone what they do for a living, it's very offensive. They feel like you're asking them, how much money do you make? Or, you know, in Japan, when you show your teeth, when you're smiling, that's very rude. That's why they cover their mouth. You want to know the culture that you're in. And you bring the culture of heaven to it. Being an ambassador is simply giving away what we have with Jesus. It's Jesus living through us as we go about our normal routine. If you're a school teacher and someone admires your confidence, tell them about the source of your confidence. If you're a business leader and someone sees your leadership skills, tell them about the wisdom that you got from Jesus. If you're on the playground, strike up a conversation with the other parents there. Tell them how your kids love Hope Kids. No matter who you are, or what you do, you can make a difference. You're an ambassador. It's good that we don't all work at a church. You're on an assignment needed in your sphere of influence. You need to crush your life wherever you're at, in the marketplace, at home, and speak for Jesus 